Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, pick Guardian. Jared Brand and Brand One. Hey, everybody, this is me, Todd Novak. Thank you so much for joining us for the Guitar Knobs podcast tonight, today, or whatever, wherever you're at in the, you know, lunar, solar. In, in the galaxy, yes. wherever you happen to be in the galaxy. That's right. We are also Space joined Force. by a very special guest tonight. Sideburns McGee. Ah, <laughs> That's right. A.K.A. Lamb Chops. <laughs> yeah. Chase Gullet, uh, Gullet Guitar Co., Chasing Vintage Guitars. Kind of look like a president from like the 1800s. Yeah. He does. Yeah. It looks good. Yeah. yeah. It's a very 1860s look. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, everybody. We are going to have a fantastic show tonight. We're going to talk about something that is has surely crossed the mind of every guitar player, great and small, at some point in time. Mm. We are going to discuss Guitar Setup 101. Woo-hoo. Now, I just want to set something straight here. Yes. We are not going to get... It's not going to be a step-by-step, here's how to do everything. Oh, I was told there was going to be a step-by-step. There's That's none. why I came in tonight. I yeah. was told there was going to be I will refund your tickets. <laughs> uh, we are going to cover the bases and understand why you do these things and oh. how they relate to each other oh. and talk about tools and talk about all kinds of other good stuff. So um, it's going to be great. Uh, or else. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, we've got a couple of announcements real quick. Uh, first of all, two things. Yes. Uh, we skipped the what do we do on the show, but that's okay. You know, I can do it. You want to do it? Okay, yeah. do it. We like to normally talk to builders of boutique gear. He builds boutique gear. So well, he, he does. So that that's counts. right. I guess we do. do. Yeah. Are we going to talk? We're going to gonna get to that in a second. I, I think, we all three I think we're here for conversation uh, and good times. Okay, excellent times. So <laughs> we talk to builders of guitars and amps and pedals and accessories once and uh, every once in a while fez builders and yeah, things yeah. like that. So yeah, uh, and so and we like to get the story behind the story. That's, that's right. right. And now you know the, the rest, rest of the, the story. story. Mm. All right. So uh, fitting that mold here is Chase Gullet. Uh, Chase makes uh, handmade guitars under the moniker Chasing Vintage. I have one. They are beauties. They are exceptional that. pieces of work. Where can people go see those right now on uh, the internet? You can go to ChasingVintageGuitars.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram under... You guessed it, ChasingVintageGuitars.com. Facebook as well. I'm sure there'll be a link in the podcast here. Um, Yeah, if you want to see them in person, there's a couple of them inside the Delaware Music Center in uh, downtown Delaware in Ohio, just a little north of Columbus. Nice. If you are... Uh, If you're local to Ohio. Super regional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we're worldwide. Yeah, all right. So make sure you guys go check those things out uh, and and wallow in the awesomeness of uh, Supreme Guitardom. And as we've talked in the past, you know, the beauty of, of dealing with someone like Chase mm-hmm. is you can pretty much specify what you want. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I want these pickups. I want this neck profile. I want, I mean, this he has that. a couple of uh, standard body shapes. Yeah. The, There's a little bit of um, uh, guidelines you kind of have to kind of fall within there. But for the most part, um, like Tony was saying, uh, pickup choices, um, radiuses of the fretboard, fret wire size things like that. And even within my headstocks, I've got two or three designs that are available for it in several body styles as well. So scale length, uh, there's a lot of options there. That's right. um, but uh, what I do not do is I do not build like 
replicas. Yeah, so you right. don't don't come to me for a fifty nine Les Paul replica. I'm I'm not. Your hey, guy. I was asking. I was wondering <laughs> yeah. if you could build me a fifty nine Les Paul replica. Uh, yeah, cannot. Yeah. What's hide <laughs> Well, it's, I don't know that it's. I I wouldn't. I, cannot is uh, probably the wrong word. I will not. Yeah, is, that's is a, a better way to. Build no, that. I think that, I think yeah. that's good um, because you know honestly, I, I was talking to this, some other friends about this, and you know, the replicas are just that. They're, yeah, they're that's replicas. Exactly it. And honestly, I think Gibson so has profound. been doing a pretty good job of uh, reproducing some they of their are classic now. designs. They I mean, are there was a period certainly. of time is a you know flip of the coin, yeah. but I think that they're at a price point now that you know I think is it, it, it's higher than I was ever used to paying. Yeah. But I think it's at a, a price point that it needs to be to get a decent quality instrument. Mm-hmm. I'm buddies with their new developer, and he's. He's done a lot of work on improving the custom shop guitars yeah. you could buy. So I guess the lesson is, I mean, you're not going to really save much, and at the end of the day, you're not going to have a guitar that is probably as valuable as having an actual you want, whatever you want to duplicate. You want what the builder has to offer anyway. And that's where, you know, stuff like Chase has original designs, so that's pretty cool, I think, that... Uh, you know, there's and there's you know other people we've had on the show. They have original mm-hmm. designs, and we have people that you know are inspired by other designs. But um, I, I think it's it's I, I like the fact that you know you've focused in on on that particular. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we gotta get to a couple of thank yous and whatnots here right now. Uh, we want to say a big fat thank you to Rode Ooh. Microphones, articulating for arms. providing those articulating arms which are attached to the Procaster mic. Mm. Mm-hmm. Tasty, very tasty goodness. Mm. Love these mics. Uh, we also want to say thank you to them for providing our Rodecaster Pro, uh, this outstanding piece of equipment that allows us to do our podcast every week for you. The mothership. The mothership, yes. Get one for yourself. Do you, re- do you remember the old days when we used to have that rack of stuff with a computer and all yeah, this, that, that and the other? little build whatnots and weirdo things. I, all, you can have a cell they phone They have sound calling. effects that we're not allowed to touch. Yes, that's I, true. I love touching the sound effects. All right, so thank you guys, uh, Rode. Out there. there, the Knicks, our buddies, the Knicks, Nick and Nick, Nick and Nick. Out They're there. running Nick and Nick. Yes, we also want to call attention to a listener mail that we got. Uh, this is from Mike Millard. Uh, he says, uh, "Greetings, gents. I do a lot of driving. About a month ago, while surfing the podcast channels, I found you guys at mm. the, and the G knobs are now my favorite listen. Thank you so much. That means a, a tremendous amount to us." So I appreciate you sharing that. But more importantly, uh, I also sit in my shop. And as a weekend warrior slapping T-style guitars together and an occasional amp, I've learned a lot from you guys. I really like the 101s. Do tell. Yep. Keep them coming. Maybe I missed it, but a 101 on guitar setup would be really <gasps> cool. Oh. oh. Like, I think hey, I know a guy. ask oh, and you shall receive, Mike, right? So based on this email, uh, we, you know, we said, hey, you know what? Let's, uh, let's do that. So that's what we're doing tonight. Excellent. So thank you, Mike Millard, for, for sending that. Um, Keep on trucking, man. Yeah. So um, we're going to get to all the stuff that he was asking about in here, um, talking about, like, you know, all understanding everything and tools and all that business. Uh, he says, keep up the good work, guys. Mike in State College, PA. Ah, hey. so thank you, sir, for sending that. There's we appreciate a, what, that stuff. There's a go, school there somewhere. Go there? Nittany Lions, Mike. Ah, all right, blue and white. That's right. right. Uh, let's see here. 
That's it right now. Hmm. Let's get on to what's going on in our music world this week, gentlemen. Yes. Monsieur Ballonet. So this week, I had something I wanted to talk about, but I changed my mind because I don't want to talk about it now. You don't have to, old friend. But I would like to talk about uh, my buddy Jared here put together some extra uh, screen tops for me. It's my fault. Well, it's not your just your screen fault. top pickups. The screen top looking. pickups. If you go over to pickups.com, that's I I've seen that site before. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful people there. Yes, uh, me and Jared. Um, and uh, so we're we're doing some uh, some little customization on a couple. But uh, the, the cool thing about it, I talked to Jared about making a hum canceling P ninety, mm-hmm. um, aka a sidewinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it's something that. Uh, uh, Lindy Freeland does that. Yeah, Lindy Lindy does it. There's a couple of other yeah. companies that do it, and it's based loosely on like an EBO, uh, Gibson EBO base pickup. Yeah. I mean, at least the, it, how, in the function. So it's two coils flipped on their sides yep. uh, that go up into and the... And there's still two magnets, yeah. too. And it's, it's kind of the same magnetic flux field. So you end up with two coils, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a hum-canceling. But my experience with a lot of these sidewinders, and Lindy's in particular, and I'm sure this one once I put it in a guitar, um, is it still sounds like a P90. Yeah. I mean, Gibson came out years ago with a stacked P90, a P100. Very dark. And it sounds like a humbucker. Yeah. Um, versus these, I mean, I, I've used Lindy's in a couple of my, uh, like, Les Paul Juniors, any single pickup guitar with a P90. Very good quality. And... They sound great, yeah. and it's and you don't you know the the one annoying thing about a P ninety can be the hum. Mm. So uh, I think this is a really good solution. Uh, it's you know fits the same footprint as a standard P ninety, and well we, these are the screen top versions, so it's got a uh, you know little fancy stainless steel yeah. grish mesh grill and some gold underneath it, so it, it looks really cool. But uh, more importantly, it's going to be pretty quiet. So. We're going to put that through the test phase, and and then uh, when they're ready to go, we'll put them up on the website, mm-hmm. screentoppickups.com. Outstanding. All right, Chase, what's going on in your music world this week besides building guitars? Uh, and running a music store. Well, not technically running the music store. I oh. run the repair shop. Oh, the repair shop. Yeah, so, so it's, uh, it's actually it's kind of cool. So it's the way it's, it, it is beneficial because I am inside of a music store. So that kind of helps oh, okay. both of us there. So yeah. um, I work closely with uh, Adam Foray over there. So, ah, so okay. they run uh, the Delaware Music Academy and the Delaware Music Center. So they've got new used gear. And then I run Gullet Guitar Co. out of there, which is the service center. Smart. So yeah, it, it works out. It gives I get walk-ins and also he gains a lot of my customers and and vice versa. So yeah. um, it works out really well for everybody involved. I'm going to have to take um, a run up there. Yeah, yeah, you have to come up and check it I out. I want to go with you. We're, okay. doing a, we're doing a little bit of reno out there, so that's kind of been a lot of what the last couple of weeks have been is um, we're uh, expanding and putting eight lessons rooms in the shop there nice. uh, to kind of expand the academy. That's there. smart. So, yeah, it's, it's going to really be nice. Smart. So like the whole guitar wall is getting moved out, and yeah. um, so we've kind of been like under construction for a little bit out there. So mm. it's been cool, though. Um, yeah. So that's what's going on in your that music is, that world. That has been week? my music world this week. Is just trying to get. Uh, you got yourself a hammer. You got yourself a measuring exactly, tape. I yeah. saw on the gram that you had like a three pickup Les Paul custom. Oh, in, man, that thing is that thing looked gnarly. Awesome. Yeah, no, that okay. guitar though is awesome. Um, yeah. It was in. Uh, it's actually some of the stuff we'll talk about with the um, 
with okay. the setup kind yeah. of stuff nice. was Perfect. because uh, it had really bad frets. Um, oh, but, you know, it's '78, so yeah, no frets. It's, it's yeah. Well, uh, actually, oddly enough, uh, for being that year, um, there was plenty of meat on that bone, yeah. which is rare because they're typically there's nothing yeah. there. Um, but they were worn pretty badly. Uh, uh, but there was enough. They were they were nice and wide though, so it was the correct era. But um, the height wasn't gone. I mean, like it just means there. it was an awesome guitar. Yeah, because it was played. Yep, that's exactly it. So there was a lot of really heavy dents there. The binding had kind of shrunk. So if you actually like pulled your high E string off, it would kind of pull and pluck underneath there. And get oh, stuck. I hate and, that. You know, so so that was some stuff that I had to take care of on that guy. I think um, that's kind of a special effect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the solo, solo. You can't. So no, you it. can't hear it. Um, yeah. how, about, how about you, Jared? What's going on in your music world this week? So. I talked about the Foppy amp that I bought. Mm-hmm. The, the Still Dallas. haven't seen it yet, by the way. I yeah. know. I just, I love that. Every day. So I got out my Reverend, and it was a six-gun, and I put a set of screen tops in it. I love mm-hmm. screen tops. And the bridge. What are you doing with the rail? What am I doing with what? The rail. The rail hammer. Oh, no. I, I have that just loose hanging out in the shop. Uh, if you want to mess with that, you're more than welcome to. Might. I'll bring it. But anyway, I have been picking that guitar up and plugging it through that amp straight every day, and I play it for about 20 minutes. Awesome. Hmm. So I've had the guitar for about a year and a half, and I never really played it until I plugged it into this amp, and it sounds so, so good through this little amp. I'm not blowing my eardrums out, and Hmm. I'm playing the guitar a lot. Nice. So it's like I'm getting my chops back. You can turn it up, and it will get pretty you know yeah it'll but it still won't blast your ears out no it's no 100 watt marshall no <laughs> but it's uh it's a safe amp and uh gosh i mean it's one of the best amps so i've ever good, owned i think it's a good combo perfect combo nice That's great i love it we have to get in touch with kenny now are those yeah. uh, uh humbuckers or p90s they are humbuckers and uh but they're sc- they have the screen yeah so. And the neck, the neck must be like a low seven k in the bridge. I think it's maybe in the nine or ten k. It just sounds niner? so good. Well, I I like to beef up the bridges, uh, the the pickup bridge. Uh, I think that makes sense. In, in a bolt on neck guitar, oh, in that kind of style guitar, it's a bolt on neck. Mm. So, I think they the bridge pickup just needs a little more oomph on those kind of guitars. I don't. I think even if it's a set neck, it should be hotter too. Eh. Yeah, eh, maybe mm. less amplitude eh. in the strings. Yeah, sure. So. Amplitude. All right. Oscillation. How about yeah, you, Todd? Nice. Well, <clears throat> I posted a video mm-hmm. on our on our uh, group channel on Facebook. If you haven't checked it out, go check out Guitar Knobs Group on Facebook. And um, it was by Jay Leonard J, who is a uh, super nice chap. I'd actually like to have him on the show. Hmm. Uh, he posts some great videos, uh, and this one in particular was um, about mids in in your playing and like your your room versus your versus a gig and stuff. And this is it's not anything we haven't heard before. But what I love about when people do go ahead and say yes, this has been put out there, but I'm putting my spin on it. He went through and was talking about dipping. Um, the mids, and that's what caught my attention. I was like, "Wait, what do you mean dipping the mids?" Because all we ever hear about is like boosting, you know, the roof on 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 the mids for in a live situation. And he was suggesting 
dipping the middle of the mids and actually pushing up uh, your low mids, which is 200 to 400 hertz, right? Mm-hmm. Like on your uh, on your little uh, graphic EQ, you yeah. know, just pushing that one and boosting your uh, upper mids at like the fifteen to three thousand hertz range. So a W, kind of, yeah, just in the mids. Mm-hmm. Um, not not a W in in the full spectrum, but right. just in the mid zone. And I was like, that's really interesting. And and then he even went as far to say like, depending on what your bass sounds like and you know what how, how your drums are tuned and what kind of singer you have. You you might want to not boost both of those. Maybe you just boost the low mids. Maybe you just boost the high mids. Mm. And so I was just playing with that, and it was it was remarkable the the different sounds I was able to get just by doing that instead of trying to go for a big giant mid hump, which I wasn't really thrilled about. So, see, you know, you know, back in my day, everybody did a U or a V. It, it, we basically scooped out yeah. the mids. And that's it's interesting that it's come kind of full circle now where you're basically beefing those mids up. Yeah. Interesting. Well, but that might have also been, well, never. I'm not going to speculate on why that might have been. That was the 1980s. <laughs> yeah. Well, but if you think about it, earlier, it, the effects, you know, you really, well, a tube screamer and yeah. you're probably going out of Marshall and you're probably going out of humbuckers and stuff like that. So it's yeah. like, that's all like super... MIDI anyway, MIDI, right? Yeah. So yeah, if you're going into a Marshall, if you're, if you're overbearing on the business, you're talking you about what dreams are made of now. Yeah. Anyways, if you're trying to get a tone that isn't that, yeah, you know, so <laughs> all kinds of the tones are out there. You got to find them. I like the tones. Yeah. All right. We want to give a big fat thank you to music producer and recording engineer John Fennell for his support with our show. He's Thank been a you. guest on our show and is a guitarist himself at heart, so he knows how to get the tones you need. He's an all-around right. nice guy, too. And an all-around nice guy. He's got a heck of a great uh, John studio. John produced my personal upcoming album uh, right here at Relay, where we're recording right now, Yeah, and uh, and I was absolutely just blown away good experience by, right? by not only the results we had but the handling we got he made you sound um, good he helped us through the whole process from pre-production to recording and engineering to mixing and mastering and unlike others that i've worked with in the past uh it was the that like the attention to detail and the care of us being in a in a you know uh, unfamiliar surrounding having to like pour our hearts out in our music and he was really attentive to that well, he's also got a great ear. I mean, you were telling me some of the stories when you oh, yeah. were recording. He said, eh, talk to your drummer That's and different right. things like that, bass player. Yep. And so, I mean, that is critical in getting a good it final really product. Is. It really is. Um, so, and he also does this off-site or remote. So um, uh, we want to uh, say thank you to him for that. Um, John can help you find the best way to tackle your recording project and bring your music to life. Check him out at johnfennel.com and relayrecording.com. That's right. Thanks, John. Thank you. All right, everybody, let's do this. Yes. <sighs> Guitar setup 101. Are we going to focus on electric guitar setup? We or are acoustic guitar. This is this a, is electric, electric guitar, guitar setup. setup. I should be more specific to that. Electric, electric. Let All right, Chase, see. take it away. Lucky. No, Where am I taking it? <laughs> All right, that was a great show. We'll see you hey. tomorrow. All right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Right. So we're gonna kind of. I'm gonna give just a, a, a brief agenda, so it isn't just like where are we going with all this? Yeah. Um, we're going to kind of first off, Chase is going to address the the five main 
sort of elements of a setup. And we're not going to, it isn't, like I said, it's not going to be like, first, you do this, and then yeah, you do that. No. We're going we're gonna to take some time to understand what these things are and why they matter. Mm. Then we're going to go into how they how to make them with better. each other. That's right. Mm. Um, and then we're going to discuss some tools and stuff and um, how, to, uh, how to move forward if, uh, you know, with other things. All right. Chase. Yes. Tell the world right now what those five things are in order. Oh, man. I'm trying to go off this list we talked about. <laughs> uh, okay. Basically, um, for guitar setup, you've got kind of like five. Hold on. Hold on. You got to be. You got to be more right in the. So okay. Your mic. If you need to put it down like this, pull yeah, your bring, mic down. Bring the mic towards it. Yeah. There you go. Good. There you go. Articulating. Put arm. that bass in your face. Yeah. Okay. Hey. hey. All right. So uh, five things for guitar setup that are kind of like the. Uh, the elements that kind of come together. Because the thing is, it's not one of these things. It's kind of all of them working together. Uh, but you've got your nut, you've got your frets, uh, you've got your action, your relief, and your intonation. Right. And that's kind of like the gist of everything that you've got to cover. Now, it can go even more in-depth. You can start adjusting pole pieces and pickup heights and things like that. Um, something that's too high can actually choke things out because the magnetic pull kind of stops the string from vibrating. So but yeah. that, that's a whole other, like, whoo, that's not 101. That's, that's like, 102. That, that's 102. Yeah. And, yeah. F- and for the record, um, Chase has the dubious honor of doing this because I wanted to pull in somebody that literally does this on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many guitars you set up in a week, do you think? Uh, 25, 30-ish. Cool. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so you've done this a few times. It varies, yeah. Less than 1 million. Yeah. More than 250. Yes. Less than 1,500. Yes, exactly. Sounds official. Uh, uh, so those actual elements, um, we're going to we're gonna just hit on each one yeah. really quick. We're not going to get into the entanglements of how they all work with each other until we kind of understand or against what they each are. other. That's yeah. correct. Yep, absolutely. What they are and why they matter. Okay. Um, the nut. Well, actually, I'm going to start with the frets. The frets. Here's why. <laughs> Here's why. <laughs> no, I know the nut was at the top of the list when, when the we nut. were doing this. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, is is um. Your frets are your foundation, mm-hmm. so everything else builds off of that. So, which which we discovered with your Viking That's yesterday right. when we were fooling around with That's it. Right. You're like, hey, well, you know, can we? I'm like, hey, you got a high fret here. You're like, eh, can we just? I'm like, well, we can try that. We'll tweak this. We'll tweak that. And what happened was we ended up making the guitar play like garbage, and mm-hmm. you still had fret buzz on that fret yes. because of high fret. So, so your fret work is very important because that kind of sets the baseline that everything else can can be optimized too. Right. So if you've got a couple of high frets, you can only set your action so low because it's going to be determined by the fret next to it, essentially. Right. Um, so it's very important that all of your frets are leveled and dressed properly. Right. That's um, not just a thing that people who set up guitars say you need to do so they no, can get more money out that's, of it. It's not at all. And it's in depending on the luthier that you choose, um, and it's important to find a guy that knows what he's doing with that stuff because you can screw that stuff up in a hurry. Yeah. Everybody's a, a YouTube expert, you know. Um, so it's important to find a guy that that does this. Ask around, find guys that you like. Um, if you're in the area, I would be happy to talk to any anytime somebody's in the area. It's it's free for like a consultation to come in and check it out. Um, right. But I'm also not the only game in town. Um, there's other guys out there too. Right. Find um, one that you feel comfortable with. Yes. 
And we'll, we'll touch on that uh, even more a little bit later. Yeah, um, yeah. That's exactly so. Uh, frets are basically your foundation. Um, from there, um, you can set your relief, which is the bow in your neck. Um, ideally, you want that to be pretty minimal, but it still kind of needs to be there. Like dead flat doesn't always work in every scenario. Um, depending on the radius of your fretboard and other things, you need a little bit more. If you've got like say like an old telly, so you've got like a seven and a quarter radius, you're going to need a little more relief in there to allow that amplitude or oscillation of the string to kind of clear. Strings right. don't actually just move side to side; they kind of work working like a figure eight um, right. as you pluck them. So right. you kind of have to give relief. That's It's relief for the string to kind of oscillate is right. what the relief is. Um, from there, you've got your action, which is what your string height is. Um, and that is kind of the distance from the bottom of your string, most commonly measured at the 12th fret on a guitar. Um, so the top of the 12th fret to the bottom of your string is kind of where you measure your action. Mm-hmm. Um, Why does that matter? That is the distance that you have to press the string down before it frets to make a note. Um, and, it ma- and it can matter because it's, if it's too tall, you effectively bend the string before it frets, and that can cause things to pull sharp, um, which is circling back up to the nuts, which is where you want right. to kind well, of start. We just saw that with John. John had a bass here. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I said, hey, the hey on that guy. Chase, you should check out this bass because the action is crazy high. Now, before, like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I didn't understand that it wasn't just a playability thing. It actually, you will be out of tune before mm-hmm. you even hit the note. That's exactly it. Which is like, oh. It's, yeah. all, it's all about the geometry of a guitar. It, yeah. it really is. A lot of it, it, it is. It's Geometry is, is the perfect word for it. Um, and, and that's it. It's understanding that. Like, none of it's really rocket science, but it's all geometry. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. Okay. Math magicians. Yes. Mm, Pythagorean uh, theorem and all. Yeah, you know, a duck yeah. is a bird. A bird is not yeah. a duck. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so as we were talking about with the uh, so the action, so that affects that more across the neck as a whole. Right. Um, now, in the nut slots, though, that same concept can be applied there, too. If your nut slots aren't cut deep enough, mm-hmm. um, meaning that the slot doesn't bring the string close enough to the yes, first fret. So too deep, you'll get a sizzle on there mm-hmm. on open notes. You'll get that kind of... You know, kind of tone yeah. across there, um, but if they're not deep enough, you effectively bend things sharp when you're in the cowboy chord right. range. So there's a, there's a real kind of fine balance there yeah. of getting things we're right. Gonna, with that. We're going to get deeper into that, deeper into the nuts soon. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, somewhere there's a. Yeah, keep yep. going. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm moving along like I'm in fourth grade here or yeah. something. This is ridiculous. Uh, wait, that's a little young. Uh, seventh grade. There you go. Wherever. I we laugh at somewhere there. We laugh at seventh and you eighth know, grade right, things. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a fart joke yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, there's nuts um, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, that kind of, uh, I think that covers the five things. So what do we got here? We got understanding one through five. Yes, exactly. So which one would you like to talk about? Let's, ta- let's, let's talk about the frets because yeah, okay. you, you that's you where you started. That's where you started. It is. Uh, so, so the frets are important. So... Um, Within a fret, so so you've got your scale length, and I didn't do the thing I told you I was going to do with that yesterday to like pregame this, and I should have. Anyway, uh, your scale length is kind of what do you got there? Is there a neck in there? What? We got a neck right here. We've got, We've got a, got a neck, neck right there. We, this is a what's that called? The it's lessons? a Frankenstein because what, it's a bolt on. Um, that's right. Very cool. Nice <laughs> skinny on. frets. Yeah. See, I got a bolt on neck. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a vintage vintage style. Seven and a quarter radius. Yep. Nice and round, nice skinny frets. Um, yeah, so okay. So we've got our neck here. Yes. Oops. Um 
where was I? Oh. Talking about so, frets. So your frets. So when this neck is set at flat, and you can you can set that a couple of different ways. Todd and I were kind of talking about that yesterday, either using a notch straight edge for the wood or a normal straight edge. So the, just for clarity, uh, a notched straight edge, mm -hmm. like if you go looking uh, on Stumac or yep. Amazon or something, and it's like uh, looking for any kind of tool that's going to check how straight your neck is. You're looking for flatness is yes. what you're trying to say. So send. they either yep. sell them in, it literally looks like a strip of aluminum, like a big yeah. heavy strip of yeah. aluminum. Or or in the UK, aluminium. 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 Or yeah. they're notched on one side to fit a fender length mm -hmm. uh, scale or a... Gibson. Yeah, or a Gibson on yeah. the other side. Two so, most common are 25 right. and a half and 24 and And those quarter. notches essentially allow you to allow the the actual level to, on, to basically to only touch the actual fretboard. Yes. Not sit on top not of the frets. Not sit on top of the frets. That's correct. And there and there's there's different schools of thought in in the you know, what's the old adage there's more than one way to boil a potato. Is that it? That's one of them. Something about skin a cat. Yeah, yeah, something with a cat and if it's not your cat um, anyway, uh, so you can also level off the top of the frets with a non non notched straight edge, um, and there's there's it, it it depends on. For me, I tend to not use a notch straight edge. I go off of the frets, um, and the reason for that is because you can have a little bit of a hump worked into this, and unless I'm ready to into get the in, actual in, wood in the actual wood. Okay. Yep. So if if the fretboard wasn't properly leveled before the frets went in, you can end up with humps in there. So and if you're trying to radius and if you're trying to set that truss rod adjustment to get that level, and then it sends your frets all over the place, sometimes you end up wearing down a whole lot of fret um, okay. before you can kind to get everything leveled so what i shoot for is relative to what the neck's wanting to do so the truss rods in there the neck's been glued up it's got a little bit of a hump in it and it's there but the frets kind of follow along with that so you get it set as flat as you possibly can with your with your truss rod um, and your straight edge then you come through you mark the tops and then you come through and you knock just the tips off of the tops right tippy tops yep um after that it's very important that you recrown the frets um and the reason for that is because what happens is after you remove some of that material the fret shrinks and it actually gets a little bit wider and the middle of each fret is where your intonation is set on on your scale length as it kind of adjusts for the intervals between the the fret and your saddle um to, to make the correct notes essentially um right man i'm getting real that's okay okay you're saying you you speak the truth well yes. yeah uh, but um i'm not great at this uh, it's, you're, do, you're doing here. fine you're doing okay fine. but let's i i want to you pointed out something that again there there was a lot of like um common sense stuff that i was like dang it how did i not think of that okay um when we we're checking the the level on yes. my neck um you just sort of nonchalantly said you really are checking the middle because the neck is built, the neck is in place, the truss yeah. rod's in there. You're not going to affect any kind of uh, change in what the geometry near the, the where the neck is set or bolted you're also not going to affect anything right up at the nut. Yeah, yes. So like what's going on with these frets from like 12 to 21 
doesn't have a whole lot of bearing on what's going on on one through five. Right. You know, so you want to work, you want to make sure everything's relatively level within, you know, almost segments of each other. Now, across the whole neck, you want everything to be flat. Right. Ideally, everything's perfectly flat. Right. Um, but the point is, if these are, you know, a thousand, if, if these five frets on, on the end of the neck are a thousandth of an inch taller than the five frets on the, on the other end of the neck, they're, those don't interact with each other. Right. You know, you're not going to fret the first fret and the 21st fret at the same time unless you're, you know, Stretch Armstrong, right. you know, or Mr. Fantastic. Or Steve Vai. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Right? Uh, so that was another really interesting point because you you then were checking, after you made that point, mm -hmm. you, you started checking uh, the relative, you know, three frets at a time, essentially. Yeah, so, so you can use a tool called a fret rocker. Um, multiple, there's a lot of different tools you can use, but essentially you want a perfectly flat piece of metal plastic it doesn't matter what it is as long as it's dead flat and um now you can't use like a popsicle stick and it needs yeah. to be perfectly flat um but so what happens is you'll work three frets at a time and you'll make sure that that thing touches those three frets and if it rocks on one then what happens is you can find a high fret right. now that high fret will ring just fine but what happens is one fret further up the neck or, or sorry further down the neck what'll happen is that high fret will actually choke out that note. So if and that's you have what a, was happening on yeah, my and that's guitar. What was and that's where I showed you on yours. I think it was, um, num you had seven was high. Yeah. So when you'd hit six, it was just, yeah, you know, like, buzz like, city. Like, and then you move up to seven and it's clear as a bell. Yeah. But you drop back to five and it's clear. You go up to eight and it's clear. Right. But so, and we talked about, well, can we just adjust the truss rod? So we adjust it, same problem. And all we did was we just made the action higher and gave it more relief. Mm -hmm. So... That's why it's important. That's what. That's why your frets are your foundation. Right. Like you need those to be perfect because that dictates how low you can go. Because everybody comes in and you say, you know, hey, nice to meet you. I'm here for a setup. You know, what would you like? Oh, I want it as low as it'll possibly go without any buzz, without fail. That's what everybody thinks they want. They're not always correct. Um, and that's also why it's important to get to know your luthier and talk to him about your playing style. How you exactly? Exactly. If you dig in and you're just beating on those strings, and I set that up low, no matter what, that's going to yeah. buzz because or, or you're even just if, hammering. Even them. if you're not hammering or beating them up, mm -hmm. if like I was explaining, like I'm not doing all the the wheelie wheelie things, mm -hmm. and and I'm not really light fingered, so I'm a little heavier handed, and mm -hmm. I play a lot of like big like power chords and stuff. Yeah. Well, that means that all those strings are ringing simultaneously. Yep. So a lower action is probably going to, like, if I'm too low, if I'm, like, super slinky low, mm -hmm. then I'm going to have an issue, right? Yeah, most likely you're going to end up with some fret buzz because you're hitting the strings hard enough that they're just, yeah. their they're oscillation pattern's huge right. at that right. point. Um, now, that said, if you've got a very light touch, you know, and you're not, you know, squeeze like you don't have the death grip on your on your fretboard, and you're kind of precise and quick with your picking. Yeah. Then I can set that very low because everything's moving nice and tight. You're like a well-oiled machine at that right. point, so right. your tolerances can be much closer. Yeah. Um, because you are the biggest variable in how your your setup's going to work, right. and that's why it's important to talk with guys. I've had guys come in, and you know, you'll set everything up. And you know, you'll play through it and they'll come in and they'll play and they're like, Oh yeah, man, this is great. Then they get home and they're like, All right, now I'm gonna play. Yeah. So they fire up their marshal, you know, they've got it on eleven, they're making their neighbors mad. It's two o'clock in the morning, they've had three beers, and next thing you know, they're like, Man, this thing buzzes everywhere. And I'm like, Well, you're buzzed. Yeah. No, I'm just joking. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, zing. Uh but anyway, um There was something else that you mentioned that I think was another sort of aha. Um I'm I can't believe I had this many ahas in one sitting, but I'm glad that I did because I yeah. learned and that's what this is all about. So 
you mentioned, hey, you got some fretware up here. It's like, yeah. okay, we've all heard that, like, oh, you've got fretware. Uh, and you noticed that there was a guy, I had been basically, I worked in a couple grooves mm-hmm. in my frets. I've never really understood, you know, what the big deal is with that mm-hmm. other than it's like, well, it's, you know, it doesn't look great and it might like catch if I'm bending on it or yeah. something. But you made an excellent point because if that groove is lower than the fret in front of it, then you'll start getting is higher. Yeah, exactly. And then you start the to get buzz. Thing. And the thing is, is the longer you, and that's, and that's the other bad thing is guys are like, ah, I'm not noticing any problems and they let it go and they let it go and they let it go. Next thing you know, this thing's like super deep. And then you get to the point where you have to do like a partial refret or or a whole refret in some cases, depending right. on the on the player. But if you kind of catch that stuff early, it's part of like a, it's like a maintenance. So if you catch it early, like, hey, I'm starting to get a little bit of grooves here. And capos are the worst. Guys that play with capos, that really damages your frets because it's squeezing so much harder than what you're going to be squeezing. Unless you're Todd Novak. That guy squeezes some strings. Uh, <laughs> we, we discovered that yesterday, too. Did I really? Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. do. You do. Uh, which, is, which is another thing that um to to kind of think about is um you know so tall frets short frets yes skinny frets that was another really is like yeah the the idea that you know if you've got a really if you have a taller fretted Mm -hmm. instrument and you do have a heavier hand and you squeeze really hard you squeeze really hard to get down to the fretboard now you're way out of tune now you've you've been everything sharp again right um so so that's that's something to consider too it's like when you're when you're shopping for a new guitar or if say it is time for a refret you might not want to do the big scallop jumbo frets if you're you know a guy that has a a heavy grip um you might want to go with something a little more vintage spec with a shorter profile to it because you're less likely to bend things sharp when you grab a hold of it yeah um so you know so, um, Jared said, Oh, yeah, by the way, how about that? So, well, I'm um, learning, I'm, I just learned, yeah. I yeah. learned well, cool, yeah. yeah, good man, that's cool. All that's, right, I feel like I'm doing buddy. some good here, yeah. yeah, okay, you are, man. Well, you're I get great. nervous about these things, man. You shouldn't, yeah, you're doing fine. Well, you know, some of my guitars, are you doing have, fine, everybody? Yeah, some of my guitars have the frets on them. I'm doing fine here. So when yeah, when I press hard down on the fret, it changes the the pitch. It, yeah. it, the pitch changes. Yeah. Now you can, if you're like a super killer guitar player, you can play into that. You know, you can actually add that to part of your exactly. Of, now. Of, you know the dynamic. You know the tones in the fingers. You know, I mean, yeah. there's, there's truth in that. You I'm know, make so it happen. yeah. Um, but that's that's things to consider. Yeah. Um, you know, but. If if your guy's worth his salt, you can talk to him about those things, and he can ask you about his playing, and then you guys can kind of dial in the setup according to your playing style, and and what the guitar needs. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, like we were talking about um, the relief and your action and things like that. Um, the fretboard radius can kind of come into play with some of that. Yeah, that's probably about enough on frets, though, right? I think so. Okay, yeah. got the gist he of it. it. Yeah, I mean that's 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 pretty much stainless everything. steel yeah. or. No, no, don't even go into uh, that. Yeah. It, well, That's not a one-on-one uh, thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, we did for you know, we did if, actually. If you're going through frets, I had a guy, um, uh, local, local region. He's a musician, you know. Um, aren't we all? Uh, sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, but he had brought in a guitar for a refret scout fretboard. Super pain in the butt to do. Um, but so got the frets in there and stuff. And then a little later on, he had some wear again and I'm like, well, Hey man, like we got to, he's like, man, we just did this. And I'm like, well, maybe we should go to stainless steel. So if you're somebody that goes through frets a lot, stainless steel might be the answer for you. Cause they, they wear a lot longer. Um, there typically is a little more expense involved in refretting because it's, it's, it's substantially harder material. So it's harder on your tool 
tools, um, but the process itself is essentially the same mm-hmm. um, okay. as a nickel silver would be. So, so have you ever had a custard? Com- uh, custard, a customer. I come love in. custard. I, I like it too. <laughs> it's, it's high in cholesterol. But if, have you ever had a customer come in and the frets are are worn down, right? But he just kind of dug into the fretboard. Mm. So uh, yeah, would you? You know, of course, you take all the frets out yep. if you're going to refret it, and then would you kind of level that fretboard? Yes, as a, uh, that's actually, part of the process. Of it this. is, um, and and you've got to be careful with that too, because depending on how deep the wear is, um, I did a uh, a refinish uh, restoration is probably a better word for it on a uh, '59 Jazzmaster a while mm, back. Cool, cool guitar, by the way. There's probably there's some pictures somewhere of it, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, it, that was kind of the scenario with that. The frets were totally worn out, and there were huge ruts in the board. So when we pulled the frets, I had to re-radius the board to kind of re-level that. And, and it's interesting, too, because you find out, and, and that's where you kind of find some of that stuff. Like we had talked about humps in the board and whether the board was you know worn correctly to begin with, but the wear was actually where the biggest issue was. Um, we settled on leaving a little bit of it there because just a touch. I mean, it was it was a it was a family guitar, you know, that been that was purchased new. An oh uncle had gosh, it, had refinished yeah. it in the seventies in shop class, and then of course. somebody else ended up with it. But it was kind of cool because like all the stamps were there. Um, but aside from like some what looked like paint brushed on white enamel. Um, overall, it was a cool guitar. Yeah. Um, so, you know, cleaned it up, uh, brought it back to bare wood, did a, a shot at nitro with a burst and then checked it Beautiful. to kind of give it, you know, to make it look correct with everything else. Yeah. But um, yeah, so the board though, we did, we, we eliminated everything that was like major, but there were a couple where if you got too far, now all of a sudden you're having to replace inlays. And so there's, there's kind of a fine line there on how deep you can go with that, especially with, since it was a seven and a quarter radius on that guy too. Right. It's so round that you start losing a little bit of that shoulder there. Um, and you also have to be careful. Some of the fender ones that had the veneer. Yeah, uh, you'll burn board. right through there and your oh, truss yeah. rod's popping up on you. Yeah. Oh, so, man. Crazy yeah. pants. Oh, yeah. Mm. All right, what's next? Um, okay, so after you have adjusted your frets and you've got that guy looking good, feeling good, um, I like to, while the neck is still pretty darn flat, you'll string that guy up because uh, you, you do the fret work, obviously, with strings off. Well, not always. There's, <laughs> there's mul- Man, we need to do a 102 for like all the different ways that uh, these uh, things can be. Just, you know. You know. Anyway. Okay, number two. Okay. The is nut. Your nut. Yes. Um, the nut's important for several reasons. And that is, just for clarity, that is the little strip uh, between the, the uh, fretboard and the headstock yes. that your strings are sitting in. Yes. Should be made of bone. Should be. Uh, you know, That's my opinion. Often aren't. Oh, more often than uh, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah heavy metal brass, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you, but you, you, you don't want plastic. Yeah. yeah. Why not? <laughs> well, here's the thing. It can, you start getting, okay, so if you come in and you're like, hey, man, this thing's got tuning stability issues, and I look out there and you've got like this plastic nut yeah. that's, you know, a mile high, your strings are a quarter of an inch and down in there. And that's going to be found on more economy <laughs> uh, Yes, that's very much in the economy <laughs> First range. X. Yeah, yeah, bingo. So, well, n- no, I mean, like, that can go all the, I mean, that it can go for, got yeah, the Hagstrom, Hagstrom's got plastic on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we should switch that out to bone. Yeah, um, but uh, a lot of Gibsons and yeah, Martins yeah. have plastic. Yeah, micarta and stuff like that too. Yeah, micarta yeah. is yeah. So glorified plastic. Um, yeah. There's also you can find ones with tusk T U S Q, which is you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, it's a synthetic synthetic yep. 
bone kind of uh, thing. Typically, uh, graphite impregnated with right. some of that stuff too. So, so bone isn't the end all be all. Brass, all of they're they're all good options. Yeah. Um, except for plastic. Right. Um, the the big thing with plastic is it's it's not quite hard enough, and what happens is your strings will kind of wear into there, and they'll kind of. So, if you look at your string, um, it's not too unsimilar to looking at like a serrated knife edge yeah you know except they're kind of blunted essentially so what can happen is those strings will kind of wear into that nut a little bit and it'll create like a little bit of like um like uh rumble strips yeah on the highway right you hit this you know so same concept so you know you're playing your guitar and you bend a little bit or something and so that that thing will skip up a strip and now your string kind of sticks in there and it doesn't want to like move and kind of go back to where it is so it can kind of cause like some irregularities in your tuning um so that's why it's important that your slots are kind of filed very nicely you don't want them to be too deep um so like on wound strings particularly if if you can see if if the string is if you if the if the strings are so low that you could put two strings in there and still be like in the nut slot that that you need to shave some of the top of that nut off. Ideally, you want your unwound strings to be basically about the same, the, the slot when it's set relative to your first fret and the depth is correct. You kind of want those to be, if it's a 10, you want that slot to be about 10 deep. Um, if it's a 46, you want it to be around 23 As deep, deep as the string is. As deep as the string is on unwound strings. On wound strings, about half the depth. And the reason why is because it kind of creates a cradle. So if you go up past that halfway point, you're now at the widest point. So at this point, the string is always going to be wider than the nut slot would be at its widest point, and that'll avoid it from pinching on the sides also. So okay. that's kind of a nice... So that if you are doing bends, it's not going to get hung yeah, up. Yeah, ex- exactly. So you kind of want your nut kind of tuned up to, to and string gauge. Matching your string gauge is important too. Um, some guys think that they don't need to use like a notch file, so they'll come in here and these, you know, these strings, the um, slots are just a mile wide, right. and you'll start hearing like pings. You know, hey, I do a bend, and it's ping, yeah, ping, and it's, it's, and it's, it's sliding around, it's sliding the, around yeah. in that nut slot. So, so the nut's pretty important too. Um, it's, it's easily... Probably second most important next to the frets um, in like setting that baseline for how good everything else can right. be. Um, if, and if just that switching a, the, your actual nut out for like a quality yeah. hand polish, like hand, like those yeah. are all done like by hand to spec yeah. for a guitar. Yep. That it, can greatly improve the, it the, can. the tone and, and the playability of your guitar. And even if you're buying, um, say, you're, say you're trying a Tusk nut or something, you order it and it's like, hey, I bought a Tusk for my Epiphone. It should be, you know, put it on. That That's not the case. It still needs to be fitted yeah. and set to your guitar by someone who knows what they're doing and has the correct tools to do the job. Um, that's a pretty important thing um, because all guitars are different. Um, so everything's going to be slightly off. And when you're talking about really optimizing your setup, you're working in thousands of an inch, and there's no way that a manufacturer can keep spec that many things. So they kind of get it in the ballpark right. um, where it's minimal final fitment work and fine-tuning to get it fit to fit your guitar properly. Right. Um, and, and there are a lot of good options out there. Bone's my favorite because I like the way it looks. It's traditional. It's nice and hard. You can polish the slots nice and slick, and they don't wear out really quickly right. like, like plastic or something would. Right. Um, and it, th- those the, uh, it's, it's interesting because you, uh, you can get a tusk nut on Amazon for like 10, 10 bucks, yeah. 10, 12 bucks. And then if you get it, and I've done this before, and I've, I've got it, and, and um, you start working with it, and if you put it in and it's like kind of like jiggling or rocking or something, mm-hmm. you know, if your first thing is, well, if I just load it up a little bit more with glue on that side, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. It's like, that's much not more good. glue. That'll be and, all right. And you also, 
in all likelihood don't have um, all of the right tools to actually get that very uh, those those small incremental differences, right? Yeah. So it's not impossible, and I would inc- I encourage that I just you know try it. It's yeah, not going to well if, if you've got like a, an inexpensive classical or an acoustic or something like that, you're not going to really or ruin or things by changing out like that. Yeah, just a you know. Well, I mean, I think the the major difference is depending on how the nut is fitted because fenders fit differently than sure. a Gibson and mm-hmm. you know every other brand. Martin, you've got that slanted bottom on it yeah i mean there's so there so they they make them differently Mm -hmm. and i think um as chase said the factory can't make it the exact depth and everything because all these things there it's they may have slots in them but it's just kind of a guideline right Mm -hmm. and you eventually have to either deepen them or or whatever but the point i was going to make is with with a setup you have the ability, if you have someone that is, is actually making the nut, you can say, you know, I feel like my fingers are a little bit cramped at the nut. Yeah. We, you can widen where those strings actually sit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, within reason. You can't have them so they're flying off the edge of the, of yeah, the fretboard. That, that's a good point I, I hadn't mentioned. But, yeah, that is um, – so when you are making a nut from scratch like that, you can adjust your spring, string spacing there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Are you satisfied now, Tony? I'm very satisfied. With <laughs> you guys should chime in too, because I feel like I'm just rambling along here. And uh, I, I am a pickup guy. Okay, <laughs> that is about okay. it. Okay, he's a pickup <laughs> artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll go like pickup. When we All get right. closer to that area of the guitar, I'll start. Chatting. Oh yeah, there we go. Okay, so uh, continue on the on the net here. Um, I mean, for the most is part, that that's much it? that's really it, man. Um, you want to make sure that your slots are cut. Uh, Relative, you want relative to what your first fret height is. So you want to measure what from the fretboard to the top of your first fret, and that kind of and essentially you kind of want to match that or give it a little bit extra clearance. I like to give it about a hundredth of an inch on the high E and about two hundredths of an inch on the low E, and kind of graduate that scale a little bit across um, to just allow for a little wiggle room. But that's close enough that you typically won't pull anything sharp. So when you fret the first fret, it's not going, you know, a few cents. And if you just blanked out and got lost and started thinking about like (laughs) the car next to you right there, just get it to a guy who does it. Yeah. Yeah. So a little lube also is good to put in the nut, right? It is. It it is good to lube up your nuts. Yes. It is. So a little pencil. Yeah. Pencil works. A a mechanical pencil. That's what I was using. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Some people use chapstick, which ooh, yeah, a, why not? Hmm. No, yeah, I use been, I use a little graphite grease. Um, yeah, I graphite from, grease. I get it from spread. Stumac, okay. and it's 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 nice. It kind of sticks in the slot a little bit. Yeah, um, that's kind of nice uh, to use periodically. You know, when you when you're getting a setup, you, you know, every other string change, you yeah. know, just as as needed. You know, yeah, um, and that that can alleviate a little bit of like slippage here and there. But if it's yeah. if it's really hanging up, and a good way to check that too is. Um, you should always tune up when you're tuning. You know, right. I mean, that's that's pretty common knowledge for a lot right. of people. So um, if you're sharp, go yeah. way flat. Yeah, and then, and then tune bring back it back up. 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 Yeah. So a nice, and I was showing Todd this. Like, if you've got a, a pretty decent, responsive tuner, also that's another thing. When you're doing setups, you need a quality tuner. You're not yeah. going to do it with like a headstock snark. Like, you need to invest and and get a nice tuner. If somebody is is trying to do this at home, which again. Don't do this on you know a fifty nine less Paul or anything that you have. Yeah, the one around. that you have in your closet. But yeah. um, uh, a lot of you know uh, 
online sources and, and things recommend using like a feeler gauge. Like yeah. it, oh, you go yeah, to an yeah. auto parts store and you can actually add like as six, you yeah, said about that's, it. And that's that's actually what the exact process when I'm cutting the slots to depth that I use is you put uh, a feeler gauge right yep. up against the nut and then you, when the file yep. hits it it, it 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 feels differently. Yeah, you'll hear it too. It'll go from shh you can right. you hear it catch and, that and steel you stop there. right immediately yeah. stop if you go yeah. any further it's going to be you start city. over <laughs> yep <laughs> that's exactly you're gonna nut. <laughs> yeah you, yeah you're either starting over or in the pinch you can get a little ca glue and some baking soda to kind of touch some things up if you or have top to. ramen uh, yeah no kidding right that's Super the good. most ridiculous right. <laughs> so great i'm like uh, what else can we make people are making boxing? guitars right. out of ramen let's see let's make uh, a ramen guitar next up next up next up we're going to go to the action. No, we're going to go to the relief. Hit relief. Oh, okay. We went from nuts to relief. Nuts to yes. relief. Oh, man. This is this is bad news. Uh, okay, so your relief is if you lay a straight edge coming back across. So that's why it's good to have a straight edge. Um, so, so we're talking truss rod, people. Just yeah. so you say, so everybody's right. going like, when are they going to talk about truss rods? Yeah. Okay, and, and that's, that's, let's use one caveat when it comes to the truss rod. If for some reason you are adjusting the truss rod and it will not go any further, stop. Stop and take it to someone. Yes. Yep. Because it it is very easy once you get to a point to actually bust. Absolutely. And then yep. it's you, no throw, good. you throw the neck away. Yeah. Yep. 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 So go ahead. Yeah. So my grandpa did that, by the way. Broke a truss rod? And yeah, and he's buried with that guitar now. Oh, wow. It's actually kind of a cool story, though. <laughs> it is. Like, you know what I mean? You know, it's a sad story on multiple ways because eh, grandpa's buried. It was 90. And, and you know, there's a, there's a guitar with a broken truss rod. But you know. I bought him that guitar. Oh, dude. Yeah. Even cooler. Yeah. That's nice. You can take this out. I don't care. No, you leave it, no, leave it in. Good. It, put leave it in the thing. Leave it in. Good times. Put it in the end. Um, yeah, so the relief is basically is your measurement. So if you lay a flat straight edge from your last fret, whether it's 21 frets, 24 frets, 27 frets in some cases. I had this really pretty wild uh, mm. ESP Horizon in a while back. Oh, like, wow. Kind of like a partial. Dude, it was cool. It was nice. <laughs> it, was a, it, was, it was Japanese. At its finest, it was <laughs> cool. Um, Three extra yeah. frets. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty wild, but only like partials. So it had oh. so like neck pickup was kind of slanted, and the fretboard okay. met. It was cool. Um, okay. If if it's your jam, it was super cool. Right. Um, and then to the first fret, so you lay your straight edge across there. And ideally, you want to do this with the guitar sitting upright in the playing position. That's not always the case, but what I found uh, works for me pretty well is just don't have your neck on a neck rest. Let your neck kind of leave the body on a flat surface and let the neck kind of overhang so that there's no weight being applied to the neck. Um, lay your straight edge across there, and this also needs to be done with the strings on the guitar tuned up to pitch so that all of your tension is correct. Because um, all of your strings, that's kind of what your truss rod does, is it counter, so all of your strings have approximately, I'm probably wrong on this, uh, 16 pounds of tension ballpark, if I'm one million pounds yeah, of know, pressure. It's somewhere in, somewhere in that range. Uh, 13, 16 PSI, you know, yeah. pounds um, of tension on times six. So you know, there's a pretty good amount. There's of, a lot. There is, and and that's pull, That's trying to fold your guitar in half like a taco. Yeah. So uh, that pulls your <laughs> neck forward. Um, now the truss rod counteracts that and flattens that tension back out, uh, putting an opposite force against it. So and when it does that, it flattens out. So if you've got like 
like a trampoline. Like you jump on the trampoline, it dips down, you come back up, and it flattens back out. The truss mm -hmm. rod tries to flatten that back out. Right. So um, as you're adjusting your truss rod with the neck kind of hung off, strung to tension, you lay your straight edge across there down the middle of the neck and back to the feeler gauges. You slip that under. I, I like to work right between like seven and nine, seven, eight, nine, right in that range and kind of check where it's seven, at. Seven, eight, nine. Frets. Um, and Fret seven, eight, and nine. Fret seven, eight, nine, right in that yeah. range. Now, depending on where your heel is, what your scale length is, you're that, but that's pretty darn close to the middle of the... Um, the, the actual, yeah, the actual the, defle the, the deflection that happens within, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so you want to work, try to the try to work right in the, the middle curve. of that. Yeah, yeah. Geometry. There you go. Yeah, we're all about geometry tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Subject I didn't. So let me ask you this now: Do okay. you typically fret on the first and the last to check your relief? Well, I use a straight edge. Okay. But yes, for for a quick for a quick just like let's check it. You can hit. You can use your string essentially. Um, fret it at the first fret, and then um, so. I like to go like two frets out of the body, like on an acoustic, mm -hmm. for instance, or like on this uh, telly neck that we've got here. Um, the big heel kind of starts at about 15. Okay. So somewhere around, you know, 15, 16, kind of like you can fret both of that and then you can kind of tap with your thumb a little bit. And if you can't hear it go, then you don't have any relief. If, if you tap it and it doesn't make a, like a, you can't hear it go, and kind of tap against the fret, you don't have any relief. But it's it's hard to measure that and hold that down. So that's. But alternatively, you can throw a capo mm -hmm. on the first fret and then fret there and use a feeler gauge that way too. Yeah. Um, but the feeler gauge is kind of like the key, the key thing here. I use a straight edge and lay it across there, okay. um, and then measure underneath the. I just if I can slip that feeler gauge underneath there, then I'm in good shape. Okay. Um, and and it varies. Uh, like anything else, it kind of depends on what the radius of the fretboard is. Mm -hmm. um, what the player plays, what string it, you know, all of that kind of comes style in. of music. Even. Yeah, all, made, all of that comes into the equation. Um, a lot of times, um, if it's like a, like an Ibanez type guitar with a pretty flat fretboard, I can get around four thousandths of an inch clearance, and which is pretty close to flat. Um, that's not that's not very much. Um, on a lot of like Gibson stuff, I'm around six thousandths, and on like a Tele, I get closer to like eight thousandths. Mm -hmm. It's it's that round fretboard. There's just not really any way around it. Yep. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's kind of that guy. Um, I think one thing else to point there before you you know uh, again, I'm we talked about this yesterday, and I kind of look at this like. When you decide that it, you want to get more involved with your guitar, it's it's kind of like the adage of don't ride a motorcycle if you can't fix it on the side of the road, right? <laughs> An older motorcycle, like, right? Yeah. It, it's just, a, it's a mentality of like, yeah. know your instrument, know the pieces and parts, what they do, when that will allow you to also know when they're not doing what they're supposed to do right. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. Just because you might not feel comfortable doing a fret level in a dress. You might not feel comfortable doing the nut, but having an understanding of what's going on helps you talk to me about what's happening. You right. come in, you're like, hey, man, this thing's doing, you know, because uh, like one in every five people that come in are like, I don't know, man, it's broke, fix it. And I'm like, well, what's it doing? Like, I, it's making a, it, I don't know here. It's that's what I pay right. you for, you right. know? And it's like, right. okay, well, cool. And then you kind of got to 
try to like go through and, and right. you know, I know, you know, I know what to look for because I've got essentially the same yeah. list that I go down, but, but it's nice when somebody come in and they're like, Hey man, I'm getting some like real heavy fret buzz on like my high E string between 17 and 19. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, let's start there. Right. Um, and that could be something as simple as like, Hey, you know, your saddle's set a little bit low. Let's bring that up. Um, yeah. so there's, there's yeah and it, it especially when you of, go through the seasons and, yeah. and you have it's dry if you're in an area that you have humidity and yep. and uh dr- and things are too dry during the winter or something yeah your trust yeah. ride can t- get some action there Whether, you can, if you know that's something that you can say like hey i can i know this is going to happen mm-hmm. i'm familiar with it i've taken the time to learn about it and to and to do it right so that you know, seasonally, you can make those little adjustments and, and mm-hmm. you know, be at Yeah, home, and it's it's going to be a, a quarter of a turn or less yeah, either direction. Yeah. But on that note, the uh, the quarter of a turn and the, and the whole trust rod thing, mm-hmm. again, this is one of those things where I was like, right, why hadn't I th- been thinking like this? So put new strings on. I'm going through my whole mental setup. And this all started from that string change to, to nines. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I put the that's, strings on. That's a solid point too. How I talked about the tension. Yeah. Um, the, the amount of pressure between a set of nines and a set of 11s is quite a bit different. So that will require yeah. a or even tens. Yeah. Yeah. My, I mean, everything was different. Yep. Like the whole guitar went wacko. Oh yeah. So, uh, but your point of, did you stretch these out? Mm-hmm. Right. And what I was, well, I put them on and I, you know, I, I played them a little bit and I tighten, I kind of, you know, go over like a, a, a scent or whatever to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to where everything's sharp. And then just kind of like that was my stretching. Uh, but if you, if you're not stretching and then you're trying to adjust your chest rod and then you tighten it up and yeah. they still aren't stretched, it's only going to stretch that much. And then it's going to keep continuing yeah. to stretch so then you're going to go this truss isn't working and you can over tighten or you know bad yeah. things can happen so make sure you stretch you're your stretching strings. them out and that you know you were just lifting up on each one giving mm-hmm. them like one two three tug just real quick yeah and then you tune it to to pitch and yep. and then you do the truss yeah. rod and tip go ahead Oh yeah! (laughs) Finish your thought. Uh, Finish your thought, and then I'll ask. Okay, right on. Um, So (laughs) Jared's pointing at himself. I have a thing. I have a thing. Finish your thought first. (laughs) What is your thing? And it's about this. So don't go on to a new thing until I ask a question about the trust rod. Yeah. So stretch, stretching strings, like Todd said, was really important. And and when I do it, I kind of I'll grab around like above the pickups and kind of give it a little bit of a tug and work my way kind of up along to the twelfth fret and then up to about five and kind of stretch it and let it let it kind of come back and then check it on the tuner tune it up and uh, it's it was crazy how much we saw the the yeah the, the slack in yeah, the strings it, initially I mean, right before our eyes yeah like, initially that'll go um about a whole step the first time um about a half step the second time and about a quarter the third time about three times of kind of going through that you're there now you do want to be careful with your unwound strings i am horrible about that and have to keep a surplus of high <laughs> ease because i break them all the time stretching strings yeah I've so uh strings. you got to be careful uh, with that um but yeah that okay. was that was my thought man so myth or fact yeah yeah it's my turn <laughs> myth or fact myth or fact here's a myth or fact myth or fact yeah when you when you adjust the truss rod <laughs> yes do, are you supposed to wait an amount of time for the for it to set right or is it an instant thing it's or? pretty instant man like okay. um 
if I've done a lot of work on a guitar, like so it came in and this thing had like, you know, like this bass that we that were that we were talking about earlier, you can yeah. put your thumb under the strings. After I've set everything, I'll let that set overnight yeah. and then double check it. But for the most part, and that was another thing. I always, like, set, I always let mine set overnight. Like, yeah, but for like the initial adjustments, no way, man. Like roll with it, get it set, and then the next day you might have to come in and give it a very so minor. So double check it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I never yep. let mine set overnight. What's going on, Tony? <laughs> I would also, if, if you're going to do this yourself... Make sure you have the right size wrench or the right Ah! size screwdriver. (laughs) And the other caveat, if you have a fender that has an adjustment at the heel, Mm -hmm. um, do not try to jam something in (laughs) to turn the truss rod at the heel. You have to actually loosen the neck, tilt it back so you can actually get the proper tool in there to tighten or loosen it. And I think, yeah, because I think in the late 60s, they actually had notches out of the pickguard. They did, and they still didn't work. Yeah. (laughs) There's not (laughs) enough clearance. You can't get to it, man. Right. Now, if you're fortunate enough to have a headstock uh, adjustment, um, make sure if it has a hex key on the end, Use the right size hex key. You strip I mean, it I, out and you're screwed. Yeah, I'm sure you see more well, stripped yeah, out. It's the yeah. worst. Truss rod nuts. Everybody's like, oh, I threw an Allen wrench in there. What size was it? I don't know. The one I got. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The one <laughs> that came with the yeah. Ikea a lot of times, furniture. Yeah. Some, yeah. I mean, well, sometimes, I mean, most guitars, if you buy it new, it does come with the with the right size yeah. wrench. Yeah. yeah Todd um, had mentioned talking about tools on this, and that's, yeah, that was yeah. going to be one of the things is get yourself a nice set of standard and electric. We're going to get there. We're standard, gonna get there. And, standard and electric yeah. Allen wrenches. Right. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh. Acoustic <laughs> yeah. and electric yeah, Allen wrenches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and like you had mentioned, screwdrivers too. Like that's the thing is like you know a good screwdriver that's not going to like ruin your screw heads is right a lot better than, right than paying somebody right to, get, yeah. to yeah. grind that guy out. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, yes, that's yes. Tools are important. Yeah. Um, action on to action. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna we'll cover some more. We'll okay. Cover a bit tools here in a little bit. Action, action, action. A lot of times is going to be set. Um, so once you've established your nut, you've got your relief kind of set pretty close to where you want it. Um, cause all of that stuff happens kind of uh, outside of mm, maintenance, scratch that action, action. Uh, when we're setting the action, <laughs> you're going to do <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Action Jackson. Yeah, Action Jackson. No, uh, it was all the clapping. I, no. I got. I, yeah. I just made. So it you so got good. your nut right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got yeah. your your relief yeah. in your neck. Yeah. yeah. Now you're moving on to the action. And yeah. What, what? I guess we we talked a little bit about that. But what 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 yeah. do you call action? Um, action again. You know, it's it's the essentially it's your measurement from most commonly it's your measurement from the top of your 12th fret to the bottom of your string. Um, and that needs to be, and that's the other thing that's kind of important here too, is, um, that needs to match your radius. So each string has to be relatively close to the same thing. Now you can eke that a little bit closer on your high E side, you know, on your treble side, your bass side, you know, tends to have need a little more room. Yeah. They're um, flubbier. That's, that's exactly right. It. Um, but, uh, if if you've got everything dialed in, your player's got a pretty light touch, and you're running around a 12 inch radius, a lot of times, if everything's set correct, you can get that to be about 040 
uh, 040, 045 on your high E and about 055 on your low E. And that's if they aren't super heavy handed and anything lower than that on a 12 inch radius, uh, you'll start choking out and bend sometimes when you okay. get around 15 through 17. So all the, all the but math. But that's all relative to, yeah. you know, all, all the, the math is where too. like, you know, uh, if you're like me and I'm just, you know, self going to self deprecate right now, but it's like the math is like the math, okay. right? But <laughs> And and I remember you know watching setup videos and stuff, and you see the guy, and he's like, "Well, that's a thousand stuff." And that well, so that's like, that's a guideline. So you sure, start sure, there. sure. But my point is that it's like, oh come on, like who's gonna? Does that thousandth of an inch really matter? Yes. Just Answer play. Is, just yes. get it to where you know it plays nice, right? Yeah. And, and that was early mentality. I've mm-hmm. grown since. I've learned since. Yeah. But that's where you're getting into where you're going to get either buzz or you're going to start going out of tune before yeah. you even get to the fret. Yeah. So it actually does matter. It's not just super, you know, cerebral, like, well, I must have it between yeah. this thousandth and well, this thousandth. Well, and, and that's the thing, too, is like like you had talked about, you know, your your average like your average guy should be able to set his intonation and adjust his trust rod. Yes. Now. On a stage. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. At a live show. Yeah. yeah, when your motorcycle I mean, breaks you know, down. Gener- generally <laughs> nice. speaking, yes. Um, but the the thing about that is, is that's a lot easier to do if you've had a proper setup done once. Right. Because everything's at that point, it's it's a little tweak. It's a it's a half a turn here and you know a quarter of a turn there. It's just kind of fine tuning. Um, but getting the bulk of the work done by somebody else ahead of time will put you in the right ballpark and make everything else a lot easier. Um, but, but yeah, so going, going back to like action, that is essentially like your string height after everything else has been adjusted. Mm-hmm. And that's measured and, at the 12th fret. And that's fret. measured at the 12th fret mm. most commonly. Yeah. Um, so, so that, that's, uh, on basis, sometimes I'll, I'll check that more at like the 17 cause the, the scale length's so much longer. It kind of, you know, um, yeah. Uh, let's see where are we going from intonation. Um, so once you've got your action set, your relief set, your nut slots correct, and you know your frets are perfect. Right. You start setting your intonation, and the, and the action we is set with the saddles. Yes, with the saddles. So yes, on like a tunematic bridge, you've got yeah. two thumb wheels on either side, and yep. that has a typically a, a matching radius built into the bridge itself, which right. is normally twelve, and that'll match up to most Gibsons or our twelve inch radius. Right. Um, if you've got a uh, a fender, you actually have like two grub screws yeah. um, on either, uh, which are a little Allen head screws, and they they vary. Um, even though oh, it even with the, the yeah. fender, the fender yeah. is like it, it's, seventeen. It's kind of a crapshoot sometimes with yeah. what sizes some of those are. Um, so anyway, um, that's why it's important to have both sets of Allen wrenches. That's right. Yep. Uh, but yeah, um, so the grub screws will kind of adjust each one of those individually, and you also want to kind of look at those and make sure they're not sitting like completely cockeyed. Like adjust both of them and adjust both of them kind of together as you go right. from side to side, so you're raising it kind of evenly. Um, Floyd Roses, a whole other ball game, like two point floating tremolo systems. Mm. Actually, we're not even going to just touch. Call no, that's that's, we'll, just call that's, uh, that's a 104, <laughs> yeah, 105, just, maybe. Just yeah. call me before you start. That's a different animal, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so intonation is yeah. basically uh, the compensation for. The different thicknesses of the that's exactly it's actually it. the core of the string. Yeah, right? I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. I was yeah. I was talking to Todd about that. Um it's and, Check out and, the big brain on Tony. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. But yeah, that is that is exactly it. That's so it um sounds. like a like a forty six uh 
string, even though it's drastically bigger than like your 17 gauge uh, G string would be, um, the inner core is very similar in size to that. Right. So it's you've got that inner core and then that's wrapped. And that is what you're combating is that. Right. So if you'll notice, a lot of times if you look at a guitar that has uh, an unwound G string, um, the if you look at the saddles, they'll kind of work in like a, a stair step of three, like up, up, up drop back down, up, yeah. up, up. Yeah. Now, and then you'll find on like a wound third that it'll go up, 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 and then drop back down and then go up too, like an acoustic compensated saddle would. Right. And that's because that that G string um, has a, at that point, because it's wound, has a very tiny inner core uh, plane string inside the winding. And, yes. and that's what you're compensating for is, yeah. is the, the thickness of the inner core. Um, and that ideally... Um, if you know the strings gauges you know zero should be exactly uh, the same distance as from the nut to the 12th fret and then from the 12th fret to the saddle um but that never kind of lands exactly there because the thickness of the string kind of needs adjusted mm -hmm. so a lot of times you'll see like a like on a tunematic the bass side will actually be tilted a 16th to an eighth inch um further towards the body of the guitar um and that kind of gives you a little more like build in compensation, knowing that it's going to kind of need to do that. So right. it gives you more room within that tunematic. Cause like on an ABR, that's a pretty narrow What's bridge. Which ABR? Uh, like an old style tunematic. So they're like okay. a skinny frame versus like a Nashville, which is yeah. like a wide frame. So your, right. so your amount of adjustment. There's um, a lot more with a Nashville. Yeah, yeah. You got a lot with a yeah. Nashville and ABR is kind of, but ABRs look so clean and tidy. It does. And it's nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, so uh, so so getting to the intonation. Yeah. When you're when you're sitting there and you're like, my guitar, if I tuned it. It says it, it in open. It says it's it's a G. Yeah. Right. Uh, and you play it and you're like, it sounds off. Yeah. That's because so your intonation. Your intonation is, is off. off. Um, so you'll tune it open and it says it's, it's in tune and then you'll fret it at the 12th fret's a good place to start. And you don't want to stop at the 12th fret, um, to get, that was another yeah, really good point. The 12th frets, like that's your baseline, like right. go to the 12th fret first and get it set there. And um, don't press down super hard yeah, don't because then well, you're going to... To a degree, you want to kind of squeeze it like you're going to squeeze it because you're playing the guitar. So that's why it's kind of nice for like the guitar player to, to know how to do some of this yeah, stuff because yeah. you can kind of adjust for yourself. I just yourself meant excessively. Yeah, should... yeah, you don't want to like squeeze the, the crap out of it. Right. You kind of want to leave it. Can I say crap? Yeah, Okay. you just did. Uh, yes, you yeah, can. It's fine. Well, crap, hell yeah, crap, man. Crap, yeah. Crap. Yeah. All say these crap. nut jokes I'm worried about saying crap. I'm like, G-strings, lube, nuts. Yeah, it's a... Man, it's R-rated up in here. Yeah. Uh, so, um, intent is one third of the law. Hey, that's true. <laughs> so, I don't. <laughs> the way to check that. So, if you hit it open and it's perfectly in tune, and then you fret it on the twelfth fret, and you're like, "Oh man, this thing's sharp." Typically, an easy way to remember this is sharp is short, that's meaning right. that it is your too short. your string length from your saddle to your nut is too short, and you need to extend that length so you will in on a fender, you would tighten that screw, loosen your string slightly, tighten. You that. just want to send the saddle, yeah, one one yep. way or the other. Move the saddle yeah. towards the rear of the guitar. Yeah. Um, and if, in my opinion, I like a tunematic with the screws up by the pickup because mm -hmm. it's so much easier yeah. to get at them. Um, 
but on a fender, it's at the rear. So, uh, but the point is, is move, adjust that saddle to get towards a long the rear. screwdriver. Yeah, we'll cover so, that. Yeah, like, mm. so you're not grinding <laughs> your screwdriver against your paint. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh. And you can and you can get that like minor angle. The longer that is, the longer you can kind of tweak that angle mm. and sit in there and not slip mm-hmm. and gouge your guitar. You're yeah. in the pocket. Oh yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, so sharp typically means short, and if it's if it's flat, then it's too long, and you need mm. to loose and, and yeah. let go that towards the nut. towards the nut. Right. Yeah. Um, so and it's a little bit of back and forth. So you adjust it, you'll retune it. Um, but and, before and, you start cranking on that screw, mm-hmm. detune that string slightly. You don't want all of that tension on there because it's it's creating right. excessive force that you're trying to pull that screw. And then against. you're going to get the. Well, well, not that not so much as you'll strip your screws on your bridge. Well, that too, and, but. and you know because you're trying to pull against it. So, and that's yes. why good good tools are important too. Like you know, a number two screwdriver is pretty much useless on anything but a, on a neck screw on a guitar. Um, but uh, something from like a zero and a one are pretty good common screwdrivers that you're going to want to have. Um, mm. And uh, more math. Well, well, the, no, it's a size thing. Well, that's um, math. Yes. Okay, but well, you want it to fit right so that you're not stripping screws. Yeah, no, I, t- so, I, I get it. Um, so uh, w- I wanted to make a point of when you are, if you're not sure where you know flat and sharp is and all that stuff because mm-hmm. you know use at, a at tuner one, at one yeah. point even even using a tuner i'm like i don't know what f- i don't understand because i i'm just play guitar right how but long I, have you I, been playing a long time but at one point i didn't know where what that <laughs> what i was punk looking rock for band, right? man so yeah. what's a tuner when you ah. when you <laughs> when you get your tuner right yeah and and you, it's you're you're right up on that on that pitch and it says there i'm 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 tuned what you're looking for is it being to the to the right of that pitch is going to be sharp. Yes. Just to the left is going to be flat. Yes. So if you've got an electronic LED style one, like a polytune or something, mm-hmm. you're going to be green and you're going to look for red on either side of that, essentially. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa, whatever your colors are. But but that's what you're that's what you're looking for. So when you hit when you fret that on a twelfth fret. You want it to be green. You want it to be perfectly in the yeah, middle. Yeah, but if it's to the or left if you're or to the right, using a strobo of that, tuner, you want it to not be moving. Right, exactly. Right. Um, strobo. Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to. Not yeah, yeah. Not oh, everybody no, has okay. this knowledge, yeah. so you I'm know. With you. Well, the um, other thing too, if you're ever, uh, if you don't if you're know confused, how a tuner works, you shouldn't be setting up your guitar. Yeah, that's well, true. But you could also use a tape measure. Yeah. Uh, if you know the scale length of your guitar, and that's pretty easy to determine, you measure from the nut to the 12th fret mm-hmm. and then double it. Mm-hmm. So if for instance Fractions. it's it's oh a well, I mean if it's a if it's a, a, a let's just say it's a, a, a 25 and a half scale length, the mm-hmm. fender scale length. So it should measure from the nut to the 12th fret um, at twelve and three quarters. 12 and three quarters. <laughs> he had to do the math. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid like, fractions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and generally speaking that's a if you double that distance, right. That's about where the high E should yep. be sitting. Or just use mm-hmm. a tuner, or use a tuner. Yeah. 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 But if you're ever confused, say, this doesn't make any sense. I keep turning the screw, and it's yeah, yeah. You know. Well, don't, and, don't, if, and if you don't have a tuner, and you, and you've checked that um, another night, so uh, a lot of guys know like the fifth fret open octave way of tuning. Mm-hmm. So you know you fret it on the fifth fret, and then you know so your E string on the fifth fret and your A string open should match. That same principle, if the guitar is perfectly intonated, 
applies to the 17th fret. Right. Mm. So if there's any warble in there, then something's well, off somewhere. You also uh, did something that I hadn't done in the past, which was, you know, I would check it at 12, mm-hmm. and then I was like, cool, it's in, yeah. it's intonated. And you are like, I like to check it Check it again at 5, well. and then check it again at 17. Yeah. Too. Um, and it, it's nice because that, that like, fine-tunes it. You know what I mean? So you're like, ah, I'm, I'm there. You know, it's it's there. Um, but if you check it there and then also at 17, you can, like, really fine-tune that. Like, you should, in theory, be able to play a G string, uh, like a G chord, um, leaving open notes, but, like, you grabbed a G up here on your third fret. Mm-hmm. You should be able to slide that on up to the 15th, play that same or G. Or play, really, a G anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. A- yeah, essentially. But the, the concept is, is that your open notes, even though you're a, a whole octave higher, should still ring in tune with each other. And right. that's really what the intonation is kind of about, is making the guitar not just play in tune up here in the cowboy chords, but play in tune no matter where you are on the guitar. And, and it's amazing. Um, Higher-end guitars tend to have much better setups out of the factory. Right. You know? mm-hmm. so, so you buy a high-end guitar, and everybody's like, oh, man, these guys, these things play fantastic. It sounds great. And you know, and they sound so much better. It's such a better-sounding guitar. A lot of times, they've been properly set up. Yeah. You know, a guitar that's not playing in tune with itself is always going to be, sound sour. Yeah. So, I, so well, that brings a before good... people like upgrade pickups, they're like, oh, this thing needs better. No offense, but yeah, you sure. know, before you install pickups, you'd be amazed how much better a guitar will sound just once it's set up correct and playing in tune everywhere. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Everything just, it blooms and it rings better. There's no weird dissonance in there. Um, it, yeah. it makes a difference. Yeah, you're right. A lot of times yeah. it's not the pickup's fault. But I want to throw a wrench into this okay. thing. What about fanned frets? Have you ever have you had to work on a guitar or a bass with fanned frets? Yes. And and what's it like intonating those? Um, same exact process. Um, okay. It's just it's a it's a different scale length for each string, but the exact same steps work in the same right. way. Okay. Um, you know, so it yeah. That was too easy. Dang it. Oh no, well, it was actually it was cool. It was it was a nice ding wall. It's actually yeah. one, of the, one of the kids at the store owns it. It's it's a killer little bass. Okay, so. cool. Um, I think that there's you, you were just touching on a point was like, uh, and I know that you've heard this before. You expressed as such in the store, and I've heard other people talk about it. Um, I just got the. I, it's a brand new guitar. Why on earth do I need to set this up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, dude. So many things there. Uh, so it, a and, lot, of and just really quick, a rule of thumb. A musician friend of mine. Um, you know, I remember hearing way back. He was like. If the minute I get a brand, uh, any kind of new guitar, I, I don't even play it. I just take it to my guy mm-hmm. and he dials it in because yeah. Yeah. I don't know where this guitar has been. If it's used, I don't know what's happened to it. And if it's brand new, I'm pretty sure it wasn't fully set up. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think most factory guitars are not, they're, they're rough set. Yes. Yeah. Back in the days of the old Ma and Pa uh, music stores, you know, companies like Gibson and Fender and all the majors would send guitars out that were close, close. Yeah. but the assumption was that that store would then take the guitar and fine-tune it. Yeah. Deep right. in the Those nuts. Those the good old days, man. Yeah. Well, that doesn't well, happen anymore. Yeah. Well, now Those everything's are, yeah. online, but back then that was what made like the music store the one to buy it from. Yeah. You know, all things being the same, they all came out of the same factory. Well, why do I buy it from, you know, Jim's store instead of John's store? Well, Jim sets all his up. John takes them out of the box and hangs them up. Yeah. So all these guitars come from over here are just better guitars. Yeah. And really, they were just 
they had and the they final step. And they probably also pay attention to you to get to know you, to understand yeah. your plan. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly it. And Jim's going to do maintenance on it later down yep. the road. Exactly. So, those were the same days where people came out and pumped your gas and, and washed yeah. your windshield but and checked your oil. But, but now, you know, you go into a guitar <laughs> the, store. The ice truck would show up and, <laughs> yeah. and that's right. two youths would well, come out you know, and haul your ice <laughs> the up. The two walls. Yeah. What's a ute? <laughs> you, you know, you, you buy it off of Amazon, you know, <laughs> right. and then it shows up in a box that shipped yeah. from China, you know, China, Korea, yeah. wherever it came from. Yeah. You know, the fretboard's dry. You've got fret sprout. Half the saddles are barely adjusted. And like, man, this thing's a piece of crap. You know, that's Reverend sets needs... all theirs up before they... Oh, that's cool. Before it gets to the store. Yeah, that's so cool. That's, I mean, that's, 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 that's one... Yeah. I mean, they're an affordable guitar. Yeah. And Same with Pierce Salem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, does, just, he does all the setups there. Yeah, I thought I should give those guys but a you, shot. But you yeah. can't. I mean, even... Yeah, you I, should I know they do that. take a look at it when you get it. Yeah, Because it's your own the climate, too. Well, it's the climate yeah. is different. Yeah. If they're shipping a guitar to Arizona or New Mexico, yeah. mm -hmm. it's not going to play the same as, you know, coming out of Toledo. Right, right. Yep. And, 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 and certainly not for tins. your own personal preferences. Yeah, correct. Either. Right. Shows up with tens, you want to put 11s on it and tune it a half step well, down. Well, You're going to do need to make well, some adjustments. Something's <laughs> always better than nothing, though. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. So, so Chase, we've gone through all the stuff. Uh, a couple things. Okay. Three things. What are some things that we want to watch out for? Okay, so you're, you're going to get a setup. Mm -hmm. What do you watch out for? What do you listen for if, if you're talking to somebody? Okay, so things you want to kind of watch out for, um, and things that kind of matter if when you're when you're meeting your new guy. Something to kind of consider is if you're going to go to say a box store for a setup. Um, you know, not saying that the guy at the box store can't do a great setup, but something to kind of consider is that guy is getting paid hourly to set up a guitar. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being an hourly guy, but his care and dedication and and reputation aren't really on the line. And mm -hmm. he may just be the guy who's manning the counter that That's day. He exactly might be selling it. bases or something That's the next exactly day. That's exactly it. He might um, be a very good string changer. He yeah, could be. absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> but that's what it's, it's kind of better to like seek out a guy that is, First off, you want to be professional. You don't want to take your guitar to somebody that's going to trade you a six pack for a setup. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like that's, that's not a good idea. Um, Expect to spend a little bit of money. Quality work isn't cheap. You shouldn't have to do these all the time. Yeah, so you, it's like, you don't have to. And, and that was kind of like how we talked earlier about like once everything's been set up really well once, it's all dialed in, you know, you don't have to cut your nut slots every time you change your strings. Right. But it doesn't hurt to fine-tune your intonation a little when you do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a quick, relatively easy thing to do that most guys can do. Right. And another thing too, like like string heights, Um, you know, like we talked about the saddles, those little grub screws. Sometimes yeah. those guys can vibrate a little bit and they'll kind of loosen up and that mm -hmm. saddle will sink a little. Yeah. Blue Loctite, not red. Blue Loctite's a nice little fix for that. Um, but... Those are kind of things that your average right. your average guitar player can can kind of do if he keeps like just a tiny little like toolkit on him. Right. Um, I, I think we just really quick. You mentioned uh, you know changing your intonation now and, and again. Uh, I, just having done recording here, mm -hmm. uh, John was like, "Dude, tune up, tune up." And I'm like, "It's I'm in tune. Mm -hmm. I'm in tune. I intonated. I went through and re I reintonated two or three times just so he wouldn't say." Dude, you got to intonate, right? Because I was like, I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm yeah. looking at this. It, I am spot on, and it, 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 it things just kind of sounded sour. And that made me go, I probably need to get this checked out because there's probably something going on that I can't readily see that mm -hmm. is affecting this. Yeah, 
odds so are that's that something is, yeah. to think about. If you're playing, you're like, this is really sour. But uh, in in researching that, okay, and this isn't it's it's not necessarily part of setup, but it could help you understand how to set up your guitar better, or maybe you actually don't need a setup, which is. I started trying to find out, like, why am I getting sour tones all the time if I'm totally intonated? And lo and behold, it said, maybe don't gorilla grip your guitar when you're playing because now you're over bending mm-hmm. and you're going sharp, like, no matter what you do. Yep. So I became very conscious of that and I was like, whoa, okay, now I'm hearing when I do that and I ease up. So yeah. I'm training my, kind of retraining myself not to be so heavy-handed on my on my left i'm i'm naturally going to be because i do a lot of power chord stuff yeah right so but i have i'm more conscious of that now and that is helping with those sour notes so it isn't it isn't the mechanics yeah. always yeah that is true um absolutely and a good way to fix that is to listen for it if you if you right. checked it and you've tuned it and you're like hey this sounds sour you're like oh man i'm squeezing the hell out of that exactly off exactly um okay let's talk about tools real quick so okay. so you might have a guy i've got you know i've got chase here he's my guy um and but i also like to to be able to do things on my own guitars mm-hmm. at home i like to tinker i like to learn i like to say well you know what i can i you know just get familiar with it yeah when you are approaching that point of saying i think i'm gonna maybe get some tools i got a birthday coming up i got a christmas coming up or whatever I've done that, and I've got tools from Santa. It's cool, yeah, yeah. right? Because I sure as hell don't want to pay for a, a you know a fret file out of my own dang pocket because mm-hmm. those things get really expensive. So if <laughs> yes, you go like, hey, I should be able to get some tools, and you go to StuMac and your jaw drops, <laughs> it's not because StuMac is evil. Like, let's take that out of the equation. Whether you think they're overpriced or whatever, the point is you are paying for very, very specialized exactly. tools to be and they used are high quality tools every day all the time yeah. by a professional. Not a a, a dude in, in his garage or a basement yeah. doing this once every couple of months. And and that's why a setup's not necessarily cheap because you know, for instance, like like um so Stumac is very specialized in fret files. The ones I use run about twenty five bucks a, or sorry, nut sliding files are about twenty five, yeah. twenty seven bucks a pop. Right. You know, and I need and they're know, teeny several, tiny. Yeah, and I need but several you need a whole of bunch them. of them. And I can only do one thing with it. I can cut an E string, you know, that's it. That's the only thing that does. Yeah. And you know, that gets expensive. So your average guy doesn't want to go spend that kind of money. And string gauge. So you know, you're looking at 10 different files. Yeah. That's 200 bucks real quick. Yeah, absolutely. And if you work on basses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But nobody did. Just play the bass. Yeah. Yeah. I do work on basses. (laughs) Just just kidding. Just kidding. I have a bass. I like bass. It's cool. But I think, you know, the average person can get into this. And if you get a set of metric and a set of... Electric. (laughs) <laughs> metric and u.s standard uh allen keys hex yeah. keys yeah that's a nice a set really of screwdrivers good, yep and good you screwdrivers just about with, anything on your guitar except the heavy duty duty stuff yes yeah. and you know that that gets you through yeah yeah as you absolutely said, most most of what you need to do or you know you're not going to necessarily go out and do you know fret jobs and yeah and maybe you don't even need to you know worry about cutting nut slots and things like that but right at least you can but but even just getting like uh you know like the fret eraser like that's one of those things when you're doing your own maintenance you're changing mm-hmm. strings and you're like hey i kind of like these to you know look a little yeah. nicer some grime on it you can take care of your guitar yes without having to 
totally break the bank. Now, if yeah. you if you are looking at something and you're like, I want to do this, but this seems cost prohibitive, it's probably for a reason, and you might want to leave that aspect of yeah. it up to a professional. Well, if you're going to do simple, simple setup adjustment kind of stuff, so adjust your truss rod, set your action, um, intonation kind of stuff. If you're doing that, like like Tony said, you know, the a quality set of Allen wrenches, a quality set of screwdrivers. So your basic kit, quality tuner, expect to spend at least a hundred bucks to get something accurate yeah. enough to really dial it in. Um, and then um, a quality set of screwdrivers, quality set of Allen wrenches in, in both standard and metric, a straight edge and also a string action gauge. Relative, it's like a ten fifteen dollar tool. I, I don't. It's I, not even that. You can you, whatever you can get them you know, for free almost. You know the get, little the well, little, uh, the don't, little don't square use a ones, credit the card ones. that comes with no, no, something. No. But, but oh, okay, uh, you're talking uh, like Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, man, Stumet got me on that guy. I should have well, like Amazon 10, for that. It was like ten bucks. <laughs> Every once in a while, you know, you get one in. Throw yeah. them a bone. Yeah, you know, it's all right. Um, but. Yeah, but same thing. Like, not everybody needs like diamond fret files. Like right. we, we had talked about that. Right. But like you mentioned too about like fret erasers and stuff. That oiling your fretboard every so often, all yeah. of that stuff's good preventative maintenance because if you take care of your frets, they're not going to wear as fast because right. you're cleaning off a little bit of the grime. There's less stuff, less stuff there. To well, get and it's a way to on. get involved with your it instrument. Is. Yep, you get to know it. You start noticing things like, oh man, yeah. You, know, you probably sharp, wouldn't have you know? done that yeah. if you weren't sitting there pausing like, whoa, yep. I, I got some serious dents yeah. in here. Yep, that's exactly it. And I remember what so. they said on the podcast. Oh my gosh, I yeah. might want to get this taken yeah. care of. Because <laughs> if you get it done when they're not major, it's a lot, it's it's a lot less costs right. involved. We left that. out one big giant enormous thing. What's that? And this is something that, you know. I'm ready to take rocks thrown at me here, but um, I've done this for friends uh, w- that are, you know, just family friends and stuff. Um, they're like, hey, I got a cool new guitar, and I check it out, and it's cheese grater. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Right, all the way yeah. down the neck. Now, Fred sometimes Amps. that happens seasonally. You get a little bit of shrinkage in the wood and stuff, but uh, oftentimes, if it's a lower-end guitar, it yes. hasn't been taken care of, and that's one of those things that I... I had an old squire and I was like, doggone it, I'm just gonna learn how to do this mm-hmm. to the best of my ability. It it is a Zen thing. It takes a lot of time, but if you take the care, you learn about it, you and you can actually start to, you know, take care of that yourself if you have the right tools. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things that I got very acquainted with the, the actual fretboard and everything. Well, and with and with that stuff too, like there's there's ways you can do it. You can either use like a sanding block, you can use a file. There's a lot of stuff, and it's it's also important too. Um, with all of these things, different guys have different ways. So kind of like how I touched on like a, a flat straight edge versus a notch straight edge. I like a flat straight right. edge. That's me. Another guy might have great results with that. Um, right. You know, is the best tool for this job a, a chisel or a saw? Well, which yeah. one are you more? Take comfortable the time with? and, and you just know? like watch a so, handful of videos. Yeah. You'll you'll figure it out. Yeah. And the worst thing that happens is you learn either how to do something or why you might not hey, do that to your expensive. You, you learn how not to do it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Was Edison used to say, I, "I I never failed. I just learned how not to do it." Yeah. You know. I mean, that's that's kind of the, you know. Yeah. Awesome. I also want to say too, all of this with a grain of salt. Everybody's got you know, different strokes for different folks. Mm. And another thing too is um, a, a good luthier tech, whatever fancy word you want to put behind it is always, always trying to improve their craft. So anything that I said today, I believe to be true today in three months, 
I may have moved to another. Yeah. Well, stage. you even mentioned you know what in I your mean? shop. You're so, like, like you kind of want to. I'm not the same guy I was as a guitar tech, technician, builder, engineer, whatever. You luthier. Yeah, five years that I was ago five years ago today. You right. Know? So, so, so that's something to kind of grain of salt with all of this stuff because yes. you know it's not some absolute people get gospel. a little it's fired up a, on things. Yeah. So, um, excellent. Well, uh, this has been. Super, super informative. If you have questions, you don't know who to talk to or whatever, you can maybe... Yeah, oh yeah, reach out for sure. Where can they find you at? Um, they can find me at uh, chasingvanishedguitars.com, um, gulletguitarservice.com. Uh, find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram. Um, I'm sure there's probably a link on the Guitar Knobs podcast page somewhere. Uh, I'm in, I, I don't know if I'm in the yellow pages. I'm on Google. Who's the yellow, yellow pages? pages. Yellow pages. <laughs> I still get a phone I've always wanted to Jared, say that. Jared's got it. Like he's got I'm it. in he the yellow pages. Yeah. You know what? Up. I get the phone book and then I just yeah. put it in recycle bin before I even get, yeah. get in the crazy? house. How are yeah. you still getting a phone? Oh, Jared. He lives um, in Patasco. Yeah, I still have a landline for the fax machine. Oh, a what? And we're not going to get into that. Is that okay. in your DeLorean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So <laughs> Chase, thank you so much for walking oh, dude, us through that. Thanks for this having me. I hope it's super, super I told helpful. you a couple weeks ago, like, hey, man, you got to yeah. come down and be on the thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jared? Yes. Of course. It's time for Would You Rather. Nice. This week's Would You Rather. Is brought to us by our good old pal, Champion Lecky. Wooly. Good old Wooly, man. So it's going to be weird. So please follow along. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You've got a gig coming up. The headstock has fallen off your guitar because it's a good old Gibson. And someone walked past you too quickly. That, For some this, reason. <laughs> go I, ahead. That is a... I sense some sarcasm in that. It's statement. so funny. It's not. It's not. No, nobody bumped it. They just walked past it fast. That's and all they did. Headstock fell Snap. off. <laughs> yep. Funny Willie to project a comedy in that. Yeah. Yeah, but for some reason there are two guitars that you can choose from in your local vicinity. They are both exactly the same guitar as whatever you use. However, unlikely that they may sound. But wait, wait, what? But listen, one is a lefty, assuming you're right handed. So the strings are all wrong way around. <laughs> They're all wrong way around. That's exactly he's, what it says. If he were saying this, it would make more sense. It would. Yes. The other is northern the UK. So. Yeah. So the other is right handed, assuming you're right handed. But it only has every other string. That's uh, right. Only three well-spaced strings. You have to choose one or relearn all the songs on. I wish we could have got him to read that. <laughs> Not that you didn't. You did a fine job interpreting. But I read with, it verbatim with the uh, with all his inflection and everything. Thank yeah. you, Wooly, for submitting that. Super, super fun. Yeah, you can't redo Wooly, man. No, he's a one of a kind. That is so true. I love that champion dude. Lecky. Check him out on our podcast yeah, the website our episodes and out, out there in the ether super funny okay here we go tony baloney what are you doing do we need a recap well so as i understand it your headstock is broken on your guitar yeah there are two guitars in the close by vicinity the vicinity and one of them i'm a left or a right-handed player so 
One of them would be a left-handed guitar with all six strings, but strung the wrong way around. Right. <laughs> or there's a right-handed guitar that is missing every other string, so you have only three strings. Am I am I correct? That in is assuming? correct. That's it. Wait, yeah. wouldn't a left-handed guitar strung the wrong way around be strung be the, the right, right way? Yeah, go on. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yeah. I was like, oh. is this where absolutely nothing always happens? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, Tony, what it's you a doing? Jimi Hendrix guitar. Yeah, essentially that would be. The, so I, as we were talking a, a little bit earlier, I've, I've every once in a while I'll pick up a mandolin, and. Because a mandolin is a you know basically if it's an eight string or a four string it's an upside down guitar. Okay. So you can play basically chords if you know how to play a mandolin on yeah. a left handed guitar. So yeah. you're gonna go with that. I'm gonna go with the left handed guitar because it has all six strings, and uh, yeah, I mean I, I mean that to me is 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 a lot better option than every other string. Yeah. Okay. Jared? Unless you're playing presidents of the United States of America. Right. Oh, because I love my good old buddy, Tony Baloney, I'm probably going to choose the same thing. Yeah, really? I'll, I'd rather take all six uh, strung the wrong way on a left-hand guitar so I don't have to do anything but just play it. Wow. Jace? Every other string. Okay. There's Why only not? so many notes, and you can play them all on one string? That's what I'm talking yeah. about. My kind of music? Just that I melody. I just need one string. Okay. <laughs> yep. Okay. Losers. <laughs> all right. Well, that, was a, that was a funny question. <laughs> Accurate. Champion Lecky. Thank you, Willie, for submitting that. Uh, Jared, um, I'm looking at your your co- cohort over there. Tony. I am. Senor let's, uh, Bologna. Let's do this. At this point in the show, we like to thank a very special group of people. That's right. Those are our executive producers. That's right. And you may be asking yourself, if you're listening, what is an executive producer? And B, how do I become one? Mm -hmm. Go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. You get there, and there's like a couple different levels you can participate in. You get some great swag with each level. Anything from barefoot buttons to picks and stickers and T-shirts and keychains and uh, what else is there? There's giveaways. Yeah, yeah giveaways. Lots of them. All Give kinds of stuff. stuff. But the level that will make you feel the best mm-hmm. and make our days is if you become an executive producer. Oh, man. But <laughs> I'm told that in addition to the executive producer... There is a level right now, mm-hmm. the Grand Poobah. That level. is correct. That's crazy. Um, and there will be honorary fezes going out to all of our Grand Poobahs. That's right. Uh, so you will wear your your beautiful red fez proudly, I'm sure. As you listen to the podcast. Yes. But one of the things, in addition to all the great swag that you get and the great feeling in your cockles of your heart mm. of helping out a podcast like ours, is Jared, what you happens? You get to have your name read on the thing. Executive producers and Grand Poobas get their name read on the thing. So let's start with our Grand Poobas, shall we? Let's do it. Thank you to Jonathan Jerusic, Corey Nigro, David Kaminga, Cody Lane, Cody Foster. Sean S. Tommy Manasco. And all of our other Fez-wearing brethren. That's right. 
our regular executive producers, and there's nothing regular about them. They're just great people. They are. Mr. Tom Brazen. My man. Martin Cliff. John Daly. Chris Carney. Darren Gregory. Doug Christ. Michael Van Zant, Ken Sayers. Brian Robison. Michael Senchuk. Stefan Lamb. Johnny Knowles. Anthony Lanthrop. John England. Tyler Bray. Brad Partridge. Ty Harmon. Chris Heidel. John Esterley. Tim Nowak. Doug Gann. Justin Jones. Steve Keys. And Brett Alexander. Hey. Thank you, guys. Oh, man. So much. So much stuff. Gracias. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for helping our show. Uh, this is coming in. Uh, at a timely point, because we are trying to re-studioize so that we yeah. have a permanent home. We're borrowing a home right we now. Need to build some walls. We're looking at, uh, yeah, we got to do a little bit of construction. So uh, anyhow, thank you. Thank you. Chase, thank yes. you for doing this. We've already said where people can find you all over the dang Ask them again. Place. Chase and Vintage Guitars.com? Yes. And... And your and the the place for your setups and repairs and everything. Gullet Guitar Service. Gullet Guitar Service. Sorry, I didn't mean to get weird there. You did. Super um, weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tony Bellini, where can people find you? You say you want to get a special pick guard. You're changing out pickups. You're doing whatever. You want something really crazy in terms of colors and materials. Go over to PickGuardian.com. If you want to see some of the projects that we've talked about on Instagram, go to Pick Guardian and the number one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jared? Well, if you need some new pickups or new old-looking pickups or anything like that. How about some Sidewinders? Or Sidewinder-type pickups. What's that, that is very specific, and not everybody knows what that That's is. That's actually a noiseless P90. Well, there you go. If you were okay. listening to the podcast, you would have heard I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to uh, add that to the uh, product thing here. You pr- should. Really soon. So, um, yeah, just get a hold of me, Jared, J-A-R-E-D, at brandwampickups.com. Go to the website and browse around. All right. You can shoot me an email, Todd, at theguitarnobs.com. Uh, also, DM me on Instagram. We'll talk. I like you people out there. We all like you people out there. We want to hear from you. Please send us your would you rathers and just general like, hey, this is me. I'm out here and I'm listening to you. And this is what I think of things. We love those connections. Thank you so much to Chase. Thank you for having me. Again, thank you all for listening and supporting our show. Have a great guitar week and subscribe. Because uh, Todd like, hey, was being Here we go. I've lost my train of thought. Are you ready to go? He thought we were going. I thought we were going. Are we going now? Are we not going? Let's go get some fries. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash theguitarknobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram, at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.